Guess I'm taking the reins on this one. Are you nervous? A little bit. It'll be fine. It will be fine. <laughs> Hi, witches. Hey, witches. So, today is the Crucible Part 2, also known as the Salem Witch Trials. Um, first things first. I want to mention that I was wrong last week and Tichiba did not get hanged. Um, and I'll get further into that in a wee bit. I, so, I want to mention that I also uh, participated in the being wrong that Tichiba was hanged um, because I I was pretty sure that that's what they were implying in the book, but we were both wrong. <laughs> we were we're talking about the Salem Witch Trials today. They are an important part of American history and have influenced many creative minds to create content that is based on the trials. We think that covering the Salem Witch Trials for our listeners is crucial as it provides a huge insight to the into the portrayal of witchcraft and how society sees it. As someone who studied communications as well as social constructs, learning about how these different forms of oppression played into the witch trials was really interesting to me. Uh, the witch trials show many different forms of oppression that are still present in today's society. Even today, with over 300 years between now and the witch trials, there are still many parallels between today's trying times and the Salem witch trials. Just to start off I wanted to give away the facts that there are over 150 people accused of witchcraft, 20 were convicted of witchcraft and killed, 19 by hanging, and one was pressed to death, and there were more who died in prison. And I also don't want to forget about the two dogs who were also killed and accused of witchcraft, but later deemed as innocent, because why would I forget about that? So is this are these stats like worldwide? What do you mean by worldwide? Like, um, <clears throat> during the whole, like, the whole of history, or is this just in the U, in the U.S.? This is just in Salem. Just in Salem. Okay. Just in Salem. Wow. Okay. Like, there were a ton of other witch trials overseas in England and I think Ireland, and probably in other countries as well, and I haven't even looked into those to be honest i know the girls from morbid did they covered two witch trials i believe that were overseas i want to say a lot of the information that i'm discussing here can also can also be viewed viewed listened um to in their podcast yeah because i was gonna say <laughs> that would probably be a little overwhelming to study like all of the witch trials outside of salem i think Salem is important because obviously the Crucible was based on the Salem Witch Trials, like heavily based on the Salem Witch Trials. And then our next episode, the Betrayal series is based on the Salem Witch Trials, which I'm almost done with that series. I plan on finishing it tonight. I have thoughts. Okay. They don't, um, they don't seem like super positive. I promise whatever the book told you, the movie's better. The movie's have, so good. I have thoughts. So, <laughs> why are we talking about the Salem Witch Trials? 
we wanted to get into the Salem witch trials and discuss the various aspects of what was going on, including, but not limited to, racism, classism, politics, religion, and even a little bit of psychology, which kind of um, is the hysteria that was the witch trials. I wanted to dig deeper into research about Salem to get a better insight as to what happened and why. And by default, um, I've fallen down a few rabbit holes while doing said research. We want to touch on the witch trials because of how important they are to media and to be able to look back on the trials themselves when looking over and discussing those forms of media. I'm going to do a little, I guess, rundown of a little outline layout of what we're going to go over um, real quick and then we'll just dig into it. So first we're going to discuss biases and forms of oppression in general. Um, So we're going to touch on racism, classism, and religion and how those intertwine, um, sexism, ageism, and then we're going to focus on politics and religion, touch a little bit on religion itself, and then psychology and science. So let's dig in. I'm excited. So first we've got racism. The main racism issues with the Salem witch trials were with Tichaba. Tichaba was the only, I want to say the only colored person in Salem that we are aware of. She was an enslaved girl between the ages of 12 and 17 who was owned by the Paris family. I wrote Parish. They can perish. We are not really sure what her ethnicity is. And when I say we, I mean myself and Kyla, because it is different in a number of sources. She has been described as being from Barbados, being from South America, being Native American Indian, being Caribbean, being African. Um, I don't know where exactly she came from and that's what I have to say on that it could be that she was maybe purchased in Barbados but that might not necessarily be where she is from right but even then we don't know like neither of us read any books about Tijuba specifically I tried to look into Tijuba herself and kind of figure out this but I I wasn't really able to find much because a lot of the sources said the same things and that's the thing with the Salem witch trials a lot of the sources are going to say the same things and we only have limited information because of how long ago it was and how it was documented um so we have what we have and you know by digging a little deeper you can get some more information Um, if you look up specific, I guess, subjects based around the witch trials, but if you're just looking up the witch trials in general, you're not going to, I guess, find anything that's super groundbreaking. Yeah. So Tichiba was originally accused of witchcraft by I believe Abigail Paris and her um in the book it was Abby but I don't know if that's Williams and whoever Paris's daughter was Betty 
Betty, thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, she confessed to practicing witchcraft, but she only confessed after she was beaten by Reverend Paris. She also stated that she witnessed others practicing witchcraft. And I do want to mention that because she confessed, her life was spared and she did not hang at the gallows. She eventually went to jail, but Reverend Paris refused to pay her jail fines. And she was eventually purchased by another man who paid Paris the cost of her jail fines. And that is where Tichiba's story ends. We don't know much more about her after that. And like I said, she was between the ages of 12 and 17. That really sucks. I kind of, I really want to know more about her life after all of that bullshit. And because it was like the 16, 1700s and all that shit was documented. So it's not like today where you can just snap a picture and that shit's on the internet forever. Yeah. That's kind of what I have on Tichiba right now. Um, I'm sure if we find more information, we can post it in the episode notes. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. But this is kind of what I found. There's not there's not a whole lot about Tichiba out there. There's whole ass books. Um, but I also put hours and hours and hours into this research um, and found more things about the witch trials that was not about race, which... And I don't want to say that Tichiba was not important, but I found things that involved the majority of the people who were accused. So um, with that being said, next, it brings us to classism and religion. Now, this is some information that I actually did not know, and I was very kind of interested. Um, Salem was divided into two parts. Salem town and Salem Village, also known as Salem Farms. And there was actually quite some distance between Salem Village and Salem Town, so much that it took approximately three hours to walk from one to the other. So that's probably like 10 miles or something. Salem Village was technically a part of Salem Town, but it was set apart due to economy, class, and character. And Salem mm. Village had its own divide going on. There were a number of merchants, such as blacksmiths, innkeepers, and carpenters, and those folks prospered during economic changes. And then you had the farmers who were Puritans and feared the affluence of Salem town would threaten their Puritan values. And one of those families was the Putnams. Putnams? Putnams? I don't know. I've, I've been saying Putnam. Putnam? Mm. It sounds kind of funny. It. I feel like it sounds funny no matter how you say it. Many of the people that lived in Salem Village were poor farmers, and they made a living off of the land. Meanwhile, Salem Town was prosperous, and it was a port town that was the center of trade with London. And many who lived in Salem Town were wealthy merchants. So you had merchants in Salem Village, farmers in Salem Village, and then you had the wealthy people, the wealthy merchants in Salem Town. Okay. Okay. 
Now, many of the accused villagers were higher class than the accusers. However, the first three women who were accused of witchcraft were Tichuba, a slave, low class, Sarah Good, a homeless woman, low class, and Sarah Osborne, a poor elderly woman, also low class. Okay, now Samuel Paris was the first ordained minister in Salem, and he was greedy as fuck. His daughters were among the first who began accusing villagers of witchcraft. And Paris believed that the prosperity in Salem town was the work of the devil, and that further divided Salem. When looking at this information, it isn't surprising that Paris supported the witch trials, nor is it surprising that his sermons fed into the hysteria in Salem. We do not stand Reverend Paris. God, I like I just hated him so much in the book, but like I'm completely unfazed at all of this information. I'm not even surprised that I accidentally wrote his name as Parish because he deserves to perish. <laughs> to finish up on classism and religion. There were many people who were accused of witchcraft who simply did not conform to society and they were considered to be outcasts. So basically to wrap this up, the Puritans were not happy about what was going on in Salem because they thought the devil's work was creating economic growth. So they started accusing people who were merchants and successful of witchcraft. What? It doesn't track anywhere. Where? Huh? Could it be that things are just nice? Can we just not have nice things? No, this is why we can't have nice things. Oh, God. Um, something I forgot to mention as well. I mentioned in the last episode that like people were bickering about how he preached in the church, but I guess he was he was really known for preaching like hellfire, right? That was like all he preached in his sermons was hellfire. Was it because of all this? Because he thought that the people did deals with the devil to get their money? He could have thought that. And I don't know why people were not going after him because he was a greedy rich man. I I would assume. I think it was a way for him to stay in power. I I would assume it's just because he's a reverend because reverends you know know everything yeah reverends like they have the status of reverend and therefore should not be questioned because they're your minister like you should break bread with them you should keep the peace with them even if you don't really like them right so i want to jump down to the religion section and talk about the puritan religion this first section i pulled directly from the Puritan page of Wikipedia. The Puritans were English Protestants in the 16th and 17th centuries who sought to purify the Church of England of Roman Catholic practices, maintaining that the Church of England had not been fully reformed and should become more Protestant. That's directly from Wikipedia. Okay. The Puritans were desperate to get back onto the path of righteousness so much that they started the witch trials in order to 
cleanse the town. They believed what they were doing was morally correct, and it was their duty to God to rid of the witches that had possessed their community. Personally, I think it's bullshit, and that this was just what they were claiming they were doing. And I don't think for one fucking instance that they thought that all of the people accused or killed were actually witches. However, I do think that it was a way to cleanse the town of people that they didn't like or those who didn't fit within their social norms. 100%. Now, I'm going to touch on politics and religion. 1692, some uh, 84 years before America was a country, gained its independence, whatever. The church ruled over government at this time in history. And religion was used as a way to oppress people. I feel like if my brother heard me say this, he'd be proud of me because uh, he's, he's, he's a good man. And he he is, I believe, religious. But one time we were sitting in the car and he was just like, Hiya, religion is a way to oppress people. This was like seven years ago, though. Now, as mentioned previously, the Crucible was written with explicit parallels to the Red Scare in mind. Just like in the witch trials, villagers were told that if they told who was practicing witchcraft, that they would essentially be free. And that was extremely similar to the Red Scare when issues with communism and the Soviet Union were an issue. Many people who did not fit into society's perfect mold were accused of communism. However, they would not get as big of a punishment if they gave away the name of a colleague who was supposedly a communist. This kind of issue has likely happened hundreds, if not thousands of times in history. This is the one parallel that we are looking at right now between these two events. It is believed that accusations were made because of familial and communal slights. So, beef. (laughs) Yeah. Beef. Beef within the community. Beef between families beef because the government was ruled based on religion and puritans say the devil and evil are bad that was supposedly a reason to kill people murder is also bad murder is also bad i would say it's maybe one of the commandments that thou shalt not kill i think it is yeah now, it was mentioned before, it was, it was, Kyla's the witch, and I'm the civvy here. I'm the civilian. <laughs> the civvy? <laughs> okay. And I just, I don't, I, I don't know what's going on. I haven't done as much as Kyla has, and I've just been sitting here wondering why in the hell it's so bad to practice witchcraft. But I guess if you think the devil is behind it and the devil is illegal, I guess, I guess it makes sense. But why are they automatically assuming that witchcraft is evil and bad, though? Like, who said 
who said that witchcraft is bad who said that witchcraft is associated with the devil i'm curious about this i didn't get too much into research about this so maybe you'll find out next week maybe yeah maybe we'll come back to it next week because um i i personally don't know i can't recall if there were witches in the bible i'm assuming there is because there is that i got that far there must be because one witch in the bible one there must be because you know back then if you denied the existence of witches you denied the existence of god it was that plain and simple so and it it tracks i guess if the devil is bad and the devil is how witches are made that like that's how that's why witches are bad i get it i guess upon doing a quick google search the witch of endor is the witch in the bible and she was a female sorcerer who was visited by saul the first king of israel and he had banished all sorcerers and conjurers from his kingdom he disguised himself to visit the witch of endor to conjure up the spirit of the prophet samuel to tell his fortunes she reminded him of the law against practicing her art and he assured that she would be protected was she not protected the woman accordingly conjured up a spirit identified by Saul as Samuel. The spirit informed Saul that he and his three sons would die in battle the next day and that Israelites <laughs> would fall to the Philistines. It does not say if she was punished. And I'm guessing she was not because he died the next day. He couldn't tell anybody that you know it happened if he was planning on it shit so yes there were witches in the bible there were witch in the bible one singular <laughs> there were a witch and her name is dope as hell a uh, witch of endor that sounds dope as hell it does okay so we discussed religion and classism religion and politics religion in general um Next on the list is sexism. It's no secret that most of the people that were accused were women across cultures. So not just in Salem, but around the world, three quarters of accusations are against women and 78% of 344 alleged witches in New England were female. That's 268 women. Yeah, that's a lot of women. Yeah. 14 of the 19 innocents that were killed in Salem were women. And men who were accused of witchcraft were usually associated with women who were also accused of witchcraft. And they were usually husbands or brothers of alleged witches. In the Bible, women were seen as weaker vessels that were more susceptible to evil. And they were also viewed as inferior to men. In the Puritan religion, women were practically powerless and they were basically viewed as baby makers. And that's mm-hmm. it. Women who did not conform to society were targeted, even when it had to do with something they had no control over, such as the number of children they had. Too many kids? A deal with the devil. Too little? Well, that's too weird, too. So it must be witchcraft. 
I got beef with this. I need society to stop equating women with their ability to make children. Uh, that's another parallel between now and today. Yeah. Because I feel like just now in 2022, it's finally becoming somewhat acceptable for women now to not want to have kids. I mean, it's acceptable, I guess. But like the whole thing is the I guess part because people still don't like they still give you shit. Mm-hmm. And it's seen as even if they tell you that, like, you know, obviously it's your choice. They still think you're still labeled as someone who is selfish or cold or heartless or something because you don't want a child. It's it's wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. And um, I don't know why you would want a person who doesn't want a child to have a child. Because they're witches. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, part of the reason we're like that today is because of back then. Yep. Because women were just viewed as baby makers. People don't want to believe that we're like how we were back then, though. So if you bring that up, they're like, oh, well, no, we're not that bad. We're progressive now. Women have rights. (laughs) Do we, though? Do we, though? (laughs) We have some rights, but, like, can we have all the rights, maybe? Yeah. Maybe all the rights? Yeah. So, to go down another rabbit hole, I have ageism, which is biases based on age. A number of the people accused of witchcraft were elderly people. Many of the accusers were children. Now, I've got a quote here from a Teen Vogue article, which, by the way, Teen Vogue gave me some excellent, fantastic information. Most of the accused witches in Salem were middle-aged women, which aligns with what happened in Europe where most accused witches were over 40, which coincides with waning fertility, the criterion upon which a woman's worth was predominantly judged back then. By the time the incident in Salem occurred, you had centuries of myths, folktales, and historical records linking the demonic figure of the witch with women and femininity. Furthermore, in the 17th century, Christian, Christian, Christian Christians Christians thought female bodies and <laughs> minds were thought to be more inclined to vice and more susceptible to Satan so the women as which myth mythos who read this who wrote this <laughs> was deeply entrenched in Western culture by 19 <laughs> by 1692 <laughs> mythos? Yeah, mythos is a word. That's a word I haven't heard before. It's like um, just kind is of like, like plural for myths. Mythology, but like shortened. Yeah. That yeah. was a cute sound effect I made. <laughs> now, this is also directly from Teen Vogue. It's worth pointing out that the accusers were also young girls. Another fascinating aspect of the Salem story. McLeod says it's hard to know if their claims were made out of childish manipulation, genuine physical pain, 
or something entirely else. Something else entirely. Wow. And I'm going to go more into that a little bit later. One of the accused was a man named Giles Corey, as well as his wife, Martha Corey. And I've been really excited about this because there's parallels between this and the next book uh, we're discussing. Um, but Giles and his wife were an elderly couple. And years prior to the witch hunts, um, <laughs> Giles had killed a farmhand. And I did not know this. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> he was never apprehended. He never went to prison for that shit. Oh. They just really? used it against him later. When oh. he became accused of witchcraft. Remember last episode when we were like, you know, says right, there's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. And we were kind of like, yeah, Giles, yeah. Giles, and now he murdered that. a man. Now he murdered a man, yes. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So Giles kept wanting to go to these pre-trial examinations. I'm looking up what a pre-examination trial is. Pre-trial um, examination? Oh, it's also a deposition, which we talked about la a lot in the last episode. It's an informal proceeding where the attorneys for each side get to question the other side in relation to the underlying facts and circumstances of the lawsuit. See, and here I was thinking it was something where, like, the people accused just got ogled at, oogled at. I like oogle better than ogle. I think Ogle's correct, but I also like Oogle better. Um, but Martha was accused of witchcraft after she made attempts to keep Giles from attending these pretrial examinations. And Giles began to believe the accusations against his wife due to strange coinkydinks that happened in his life, such as illnesses of his cat and his ox, as well as seeing Martha pray by the fireplace. However, she was not reciting prayers. So obviously, it must be witchcraft. Hey, so, Arthur Miller, I have some beef with you now. Why are you romanticizing Giles Corey? <laughs> what, is, what is this? Eh. I'm disappointed. Eh. I'm not mad. I am mad. I was going to say, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed, but I'm also mad. Yeah. I'm mad and disappointed. So, soon after all of that took place, Giles himself was accused of witchcraft by Anne Putnam Jr., because there was an older one. That was her mother, Mercy Lewis and Abigail Williams, who was a little bitch. Giles refused to enter a plea by doing so by entering a plea he would have forfeited his land to the government right he wanted his land to go to his sons if he was going to get killed in efforts to coerce giles to enter a plea he was placed on a wooden board with another board placed on top of him while he was naked, while stones were added on one by one to slowly press him to death. When asked to plea, Giles simply said 
more weight. These are believed to be his last words. However, some sources say that he cursed the sheriff with his dying breath. Because up until 1991, when Salem Sheriff's Office was moved, the sheriffs of Salem have continued to die untimely deaths due to blood disorders and heart attacks. I remember you mentioning that in the last episode. I think it's real fucking fascinating. There are also, this is like 0% important, but there are also claims that um, Giles was pressed so badly, hardly, so much that his tongue stuck out of his mouth when he died. We love a humane death sentence in the 1600s. We love that. What the fuck? What the okay. fuck? I know. I know. Um, now to go over psychology and science. I don't have a whole lot on psychology, um, but I do have a little bit. So it's no secret that the accusations running amok caused mass hysteria. Accusations led to other accusations. Um, but people kind of want to know why people were delusional. And something that I found is that delusions were thought to be from a fungal infection from rye bread and symptoms from that match up with the behaviors of the accusers that's kind of what i have on that but i thought it was really really interesting and i had heard about this poisoning from rye bread before and i don't remember what it was in reference to um, but I thought it was really fascinating that this was thought to be the cause of the hysteria between people and accusers, mm -hmm. especially since some of the accusers were on the, in the lower classes. Um, I don't know much about this rye bread fungal infection, ergot, ergot poisoning but i'm wondering if bread that wasn't as good quality um had this fungus on it in it and people who could not afford higher quality bread got the lower quality bread with fungus on it that's just my thought process my brain's putting things together yeah, that sounds likely. Or maybe, like, the fungus was in a, an ingredient that they used to make bread in their homes, like flour or something. And it was, like you said, like a cheaper, lower quality one that was infected. Mm -hmm. So, hmm, yeah, I never heard of that until now. It's, I've heard of it once before. I thought it was really interesting. No clue what the hell it was in reference to, but... Um, when I saw it again, I was like, oh, hey, oh, hey, I've heard of that before. That's what I've got. Now, to close it out, I've got another quote from Teen Vogue. It rings true, as does the more unsettling suggestion that different forms of witch hunting are still with us today. Every generation has its Salem, Baker says. Until we as a society get rid of rushing to judgment, scapegoating, trying to blame people because they're different than us, 
Until we get rid of that, we're going to same, have the same version of a witch hunt. Personally, I think that people are too different, too tainted to get rid of judgment and scapegoating. Too many people are for themselves and only themselves until something benefits them. We allow biases to fog our judgment, and I personally try not to allow this to happen in my own brain, and I hope that others that I associate with do the same. But as a society, I think that's a lot to ask for. Yeah, I I would love for us to get to a point where we're all like kumbaya and everything is good and harmony and peace and love but um it's really hard not to be pessimistic Mm -hmm. especially today when it seems like I don't want to say things (laughs) after reading this book and um learning more about the Salem witch trials I don't want to say that it seems like things are just getting worse because um no one's getting crushed to death under rocks and women aren't getting accused of witchcraft and killed for it because their cat gets sick or they're different yeah or they're just different so we have made some progress but things aren't great still at least witchcraft isn't illegal anymore yes at least there's that at least we're not under you know um what it what is that amendment um we don't have a national religion so there's no theocracy so um well there's not supposed to be one right there's not supposed to be one kaya kind of got stuck with the hard part i think i got to read a book and kaya got to read about the real life things that happened um that were just fucking horrific i think i think we each kind of got something that we like doing because i found it really fascinating to just do all this research because because I don't really remember learning about the witch trials in school. I don't know how the fuck I found out about them, but it was really interesting to kind of like dig in deep, get my hands dirty, find out some really interesting shit. And because I like to think I'm a relatively unbiased person, I was able to look at it from like a, a different, I guess, viewpoint. I can't believe Arthur Miller romanticized Giles Corey like that. I think that... By refusing to plea to make sure his sons get his land and his property is a way a really good way to paint somebody as a good person and an honest mm. person. I think that little aspect is a reason to romanticize somebody because up until I found out that he had killed somebody, I was like, wow, Giles Corey's a pretty great dude. Yeah. A lot of people just don't, you know, mention that he murdered a farmhand. Was it murder? Was it just killing manslaughter? I don't, I don't actually know. So I finished editing Breaking the Fourth Wall, I guess. Um, I finished editing the first episode last night. And something that we talked about was something that you mentioned was the youngest person. Oh my God, I forgot all about her. (laughs) Yeah, the youngest person who got, um, well, yeah, murdered was a four-year-old girl. Um, Dorothy. Did you read or anything about her? I think um, you said Dorothy. She was also known as Dorcas. I did not put anything about her in this, and I'm kind of disappointed about my in that. Um, I wonder why 
younger people were targeting older people or uh, was it that their parents were you know baiting them probably that? so dorothy good was the daughter of sarah good who was one of the first to be convict uh, uh uh accused of witchcraft she was four years old turned five while she was in prison oh my god she claimed she owned a snake given to her by her mother that talked to her and sucked her blood from her finger the officials took that to mean that it was her familiar which is uh, by wikipedia defined as a witch's spiritual servant in animal form she's four like she probably is just talking to her snake she is fucking four probably a fucking imaginary friend yeah the hell she was released on bond for 50 pounds that's a lot of money holy shit that's a yeah that's a lot of money back then because i remember there's a whole bit about reverend paris talking about his salary being like 11 pounds or something for the year or something like that or 20 pounds for the year he said that the 150 pounds equal to about thirteen thousand dollars stay right yeah so that'd be about like four thousand three hundred dollars yeah that's a lot of money for a four-year-old girl she was never indicted or tried if you want to know more about dorothy good you can look at her wikipedia page and i just want to say what's up with the name dorcas yeah that's kind of unfortunate i wasn't gonna say anything but i'm glad you did because that's an unfortunate name to give your child her name was written incorrectly as Dorcas by Magistrate John Hathorne on the what warrant the fuck? for her arrest. But it was correctly called Dorothy everywhere else in legal records. Okay, so John Hathorne's just a fucking asshole. That's Judge Hathorne from the book. So he didn't do anything in the book, but in real life he um called a four-year-old Dorcas. That's just rude. Well, so she didn't die. Her no. mom was murdered, though. She, they, did they say what happened to her? She died after 1721. So she lived to be like 35. I don't know what the lifespan was back then. <laughs> wasn't like I mean, John Proctor was 50, so. And yeah, Rebecca Nurse was also, 90. John Proctor also got hanged. Yeah. And, well, yeah, true. And Rebecca Nurse was 90. And she also got hanged. So 35 is still probably pretty young. So she was born around 1687 or 1688, which means that I could be incorrect about her. Oh, let's see. Turning five while she was in prison. She was between four and five years old when they did an examination and apprehended her. Um, And then it says she died after 1721. And there's not much information after that. Of course there's not. That would be too convenient. Mary Walcott and Ann Putnam Jr. claimed the child was deranged and repeatedly bit them as if she were an animal. Well, maybe if they weren't fucking bitches to a four-year-old. She's a four-year-old! Yeah, I'd bite them too. Shit. Some children have an issue with biting. Come on. When did they find out about autism? I was literally just thinking that. Um, I don't know. Definitely not in the 1600s. Like, what if she was just autistic? 
what if half of these people that they accused of witches were just autistic? I mean, uh, they were either mentally ill, autistic, poor, just different. Like, they didn't... Just a woman. Anxious. Anxious, yeah. Depressed. Yeah, it could be any number of reasons. If they didn't want you there, you you weren't going to be there anymore. I feel like there were probably a lot of people in history who were autistic that got the bad end of the deal oh for sure yeah and there's such a huge i know they don't call it a spectrum anymore but more of like a wheel of autism i didn't know that here it can be so i feel like a lot of these people could probably be high functioning autistic people and were just a little bit socially awkward or maybe a lot a bit socially awkward or their children and children are weird yeah children are weird and also autism has existed for a very long time and it's also probably existed for as long as humankind has yeah autism all the mental disorders have been around for like for forever did you, did you know that it's been spectated that albert einstein had autism or asperger's i did i did know that i don't know much about the guy but i did know that fact about him i don't know much about him either aside from the fact that he was austrian and he lived to be pretty old anyways i think that's what we got thank you kaya for doing all that research you're very welcome i i mean i already felt bad about the witch trials but now i feel worse But I have more knowledge now, so it's a net positive, probably. There's a lot of information out there. Next week, we will be covering the Betrayal series, the book specifically. Books, gotcha. Yeah. And that'll be probably Kaya-centric as well? Yeah, Kaya has made a lot more progress on it. Um, I am going to pick up that book tonight. Uh. And we'll see how far I get before our next recording session. Depending on how fast you read, it may only take you six hours. I mean, that's not too bad. So I think we'll I see. only have like an hour and 25 minutes left in the book. And I can definitely finish that before bed. And I have tomorrow off. Spending it with a friend, but I have tomorrow off. The Betrayal series next week. If all goes planned, follow our podcast on all the platforms. Check our link tree. Maybe become a Patreon. Just yes. to I'm yeah. still our only patron. No pressure, but um, you do get early access. And um, you also get the video version of the podcast if you want it. You can see all my finger guns and my eye rolls and my yawning and me cracking my neck. All of our pained facial expressions. If you pay $7, you also get extra behind-the-scenes content, Patreon-exclusive episodes, and voting power. An example of a bonus episode that you might get to listen to or see is all about Rowena from Supernatural. Yes, yes. Or cryptids. Yes. Did you hear that? (laughs) I did, and I saw it as well. That's the only way she gets up there. (laughs) See, if you're listening to this, you have no idea what we're talking about. (laughs) 
but if you were a patron, <laughs> if you were a patron, for just two dollars a month. <laughs> if you become a patron for two dollars a month you can see my cats be absolute maniacs and probably my dog eventually when he comes to live here with me eventually yes also yes yay i'm so happy for yes. you <laughs> follow us on twitter instagram facebook all of our links will be in the episode description and we will see you next week see 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 we're doing we're doing air quotes, but you can't see it because you're not a patron. So if you're a patron, you could see the air quotes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay we'll stop now. Bye, witches. Bye, witches. Bye, witches.